a few months ago, my wife and I, we were having some a room in our house fixed a little bit. And the guy who was doing it, one day, it was around um, New Year's, somewhere around then. He calls us up, he says, I'm leaving the country for a few days, I'll be back in like three days. Okay, no problem, it's New Year's, no one's working then. Anyhow, fine. <coughs> three days turned into a week, which turned into two weeks, and we heard nothing. About three weeks later, one of his guys comes to my house and says, oh, by the way, you know, he went away, wherever he went, let's say, I don't know, Argentina. He's like, he, he didn't come back yet, he's staying there. I said, to him, like, like, what happened? Like, does this guy, it's 2015 now. We have a, something called an email. Couldn't he have sent me just a little email that says, hi, Joey, I'm away longer than I expected, I'll be back. My wife's response was something that I think is very, very true. He says, Joey, most people don't know how to communicate. A lot of people, a lot of people are very poor communicators. He doesn't mean anything bad. He happens to be the nicest guy. He just doesn't know how to communicate. And the truth is, that's first of all what our class is going to be on today, about communication. But the truth is, there are so many parents who don't know how to communicate with their children. So many children who don't know how to communicate with their parents. There are so many bosses who don't know how to communicate with their employees. And so many employees that don't know how to talk to their boss. There are so many teachers who don't know how to properly communicate to their class what they're expecting of them. So many friends that don't know how to communicate with their, with their peers. And the king of them all, there are so many husbands that don't know how to communicate with their wives. And wives that don't know how to really properly communicate with their husband. And so today's class is going to be about communication. And having that power and that skill and that ability to communicate. And I know it seems like a simple, superficial skill. It's actually so much deeper and stronger and more powerful than that. When God created man, He created the form of man, and then the Pasuk says, nishmat God blew into His nose or into His body a soul. And man was now a living being. God blew in a soul, and now man was a living being. On the Torah, on the Chumash, we have something called the Targum. The Targum interprets in Aramaic, which was the language of the day a few thousand years ago, every word of the Torah. The Targum's interpretation of Nefesh Chaya, living being, is... These two words, ruach memalela, a spirit that speaks. The essence of life and the essence of a man and the essence of a being is the ability and the power and the skill to speak. Ruach memalela is 
an all-encompassing part of a human being. Communication is not just a nice side little skill. Some people have it, some people don't. People who have communication strength and strong communication have a stronger family. Very often have a stronger business environment. Have stronger relationships with their friends. It's not just a little heck yeah skill. I know how to play the violin. You know how to play the guitar. You know how to speak. No. Communication is an essential skill to almost every element of life. And that's why when man was created, the description of Nefesh Chaya is Ruach Memalela. A spirit that can speak, that can talk, that can communicate, that can collaborate. That ability to communicate is one of the, if not the most essential skill that a person can have. In fact, the first mistake that man made happened through communication. The Nahash communicated something to woman, and woman communicated a little distorted to man, and next thing you know, they committed the worst sin of all time and turned the world upside down. Communication is essential to every element of your life. If you are a good communicator, every area of your life can be enhanced. If you're a poor communicator, every single area of your life can be weaker. So first I need to understand why are people such poor communicators. I'm going to give you three reasons why people seem to not communicate well. Not say what's on their mind. Not speak it clearly. Not say it the way they mean it. Three reasons. Reason number one is ego. There are people that think they get to a point at their in their life where they don't have to explain. And they don't have to tell you. This happens in many businesses where the boss walks around and he doesn't feel the need or the requirement to explain things to his employees. There are so many employees walking around in this community trying to figure out what their boss wants because their boss won't say it. Because I don't need, I'd have time for a guy like you who's making $30,000. I have time to speak to you. I'm, this is me to talk. I, I, you're some guy and the food, I, I don't talk. I'm way bigger than that. The Gaon of Vilna says there are four stages in a human being's life. Stage number one is a child. Stage number two is a young adult. Stage number three is an adult somewhere between, I don't know, 30 and 60, somewhere like that. And stage number four, maybe I should have gone a little higher. Stage number four is older. I guess we'll start that at 95, somewhere like that, okay? Kid, young adult, adult, and old age. And he says, what happens progressively through those stages is the kid has full belief, Hashem, you tell him Hashem, he fully believes Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere, he's fully encompassed with He has everything, everything's a miracle, everything's from Hashem, everything's from Hashem. Then the kid becomes a young adult and starts to get their own talents and their own skill and the world starts to be filled with them. They encompass the world. I am here, I am there, I am everywhere. And then a person becomes an adult and has some of their own success and is able to start to say, look, I did that and I accomplished that. And once they get to that point, 
they just want Hashem to like, don't mess anything up. Get out of the way. Don't ruin anything. Don't make anybody sick. Don't take anybody's, don't take any accounts. Just let me roll because I got this. And then a person gets older. And I don't know what the age is to call older. But they get older and they get weaker. And they start to realize that they desperately need Hashem for their strength. So they go from seeing Hashem everywhere to seeing themselves everywhere to just needing Hashem to not mess up anything to desperately holding on to need Hashem. And there's a part of the prayer that actually says this and hints to this very clearly. Adon Uzenu, we say it before the Berachor of Kriyat Shema, I don't think women say it. Adon Uzenu, he's the master of our strength because as a kid I need him for all my strength. Then I become a young adult and he becomes sur miskabeno. He becomes my rock. I need him there to support me. But I got this. And then I become an adult and he becomes magen ba'ad yish'enu. He becomes my shield. Which means I just need Hashem to protect me. But I got myself. I'm totally control of the world. And then misgav ba'adenu. And then I need his strength again because I don't have the strength on my own. And as the people go through those stages, and their head starts to become bigger and bigger and bigger, many of them communicate worser and worser and worser. Because they start that they don't have to, they don't have time to, I don't have time for this, I don't need to this, I'm too busy for this, I'm too important for this, I'm going to speak to a regular person, I don't have time for that. And because of those four stages in life, we bow in the Amidah four times. For the youth, for the teenage for the adult and for the old age, that every stage in life you bow to Borei Olam. That's challenge number one. Reason number two why people don't communicate well is they don't know what to say. Maybe you've been in that kind of moment. You come to a shiva house and you know the people sitting, you don't, never even met the person who passed away and you don't know what to say. You go to someone who's not feeling well, is a little sick, and you have no idea what the right words are to come out. Your person maybe is dealing with an employee in their business, and they're not even sure if they want to keep this employee or not, so they don't want to tell them, they don't want to threaten them, so they just say nothing. I had it this week. I had two weddings in deal that I didn't go to, I couldn't go to. So I said to myself, the right thing to do is probably to call them up and say something nice. But I don't know what to say. I like you, but not enough to come to deal. Well, how am I supposed to, what's the wording I'm supposed to use? So I didn't do anything. Just said nothing. I work with a number of rabbis. I told one rabbi, I think it's a good idea if you'd call this boy just to see how he's doing. He says, I don't know, it's like awkward. I don't know. And therefore, we don't speak. The letter in the Aleph Bet that represents speech is the letter for the mouth, Peh. Peh means the mouth. And that's the letter pair. The letter pair has an opening. It's sort of walled on three sides and walled and open on the fourth side. But even on the fourth side that's open, there's a little thing hanging there, like a little obstacle. Like, I don't know if I could use my mouth now. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure what to say. When do I say it? How do I say it? So I'm just not going to say it. And there's so many people who with no ill intent just... Don't know how to express it. They don't know how to put the words together. They don't know how to say the, what they mean to say. And therefore, they just don't say anything at all. And reason number three, why, and this might be most common with wives, with their husband, is the reason why we don't communicate properly 
is you already know what I'm thinking. You're supposed to know what I'm thinking. And so I don't really have to say it because it's so simple. You know it. I'll give you, to me, the greatest example of this. I'll tell you a little thought that the Gemara writes, which is extremely important. Every woman needs to know this. Every woman needs to know this. It's a very simple law. If we're making a business deal, and I have something in my mind that I'm thinking, but I'm not saying, or I'm not writing, the rule is this. Devarim shebalev enam devarim. Things that's in your mind aren't there. That means if you have something that you're thinking, like I'm selling this property because I'm planning to move to Israel, and then it turns out that I didn't move to Israel, but I never said that. I just was thinking it. If I think it, it's not there. So that means if you come home and your husband comes home and you have something you're thinking, and you're not saying, it didn't happen. He's not a prophet. He's not a psychologist. He's not a magician. He's not doesn't know what you're thinking. And so often people just think something, and as if somehow by thinking it, that's like communicating it. No, no, you just thought it. And to show you sort of how dramatically different and how often you can think something, and no, nobody else is thinking it, nobody else heard it because you just thought it. Everyone saw this picture of this dress, correct? You saw the picture of the dress that has two colors? So someone, I don't know when it was, maybe two weeks ago, someone sticks a phone you know what I'm talking about? It's a dress that has two colors. And it's a big debate what the colors are. So someone sticks a phone in front of my face and says to me, Rabbi, what color is this dress? I looked at him like he fell from the moon. I said, it's obvious. It's black and blue. What do you want from me? It's obvious. What are you asking? He says, are you sure? I can promise you. On this spot, if he would have asked me to bet $1,000 on that picture being black and blue, I would have bet it. I would have bet my house. I would have made a shivua on the Torah. Anything in the world. It is black and blue. It 100% is. It's 100% black and blue. Every time I saw, I saw it again last night, I said, let me just see it again to make sure. It is black and blue. There are other people who seem to think that it's like white and gold or something like that. And I don't know, apparently by me saying it's black and blue, that says something about me. I forgot what it says. I'm down, I'm up, I'm good, I'm moody. I forgot what it says. But somehow it says something about me. But to me, it was an awesome, awesome example. A fantastic example of, you know what? I would never, I would never have told somebody, handed someone the picture and say, these are the two colors in the picture. It's so obvious to me. But you know what? Just because it's so obvious to me doesn't mean it's so obvious to you. And so you have so many times in your home or in your where you're thinking something and you think it's natural. Of course the other person's thinking the same thing. No. Look at that dress because there's some other person who sat right next to me who would swear on his life that it was gold and white on his life. Just because you're thinking it doesn't mean it's automatic, doesn't mean everybody else is thinking it, doesn't mean everybody else is feeling it, doesn't mean everybody else even sees it. So you walk out, well, obvious, what do you think she's supposed to do? Or what does, shouldn't he know what he's supposed to do? Doesn't everyone do that? No. 
Just like everyone doesn't see that dress in the color that it is, or the color, everybody sees a different color, everybody sees things differently. So if you want to say something, if it's in your mind, it wasn't said. So though, to me, those are the three primary reasons why people don't communicate well. They either think they're above it, they don't have the right words to say, or they think it's so automatic or so pashut and so simple that they don't have to express it. In this week's parasha, there is, I believe, and to me, a beautiful midrash. A midrash that tells us a little bit about Moshe Rabbeinu that directly addresses these issues. This week's parasha is actually the longest reading. <coughs> Shul is the longest this week. The reading is the longest to have any, because it's two parashiyot plus an extension. Normal parasha, they'll read about 100, 120, 130 pesukim. This week in Shul, they're going to read 236 pesukim, because it's vayakel, pekudeh, and a little extra for para. Senia vayakel is a recap of all the vessels of the Mishkan. We did it a few weeks ago, and we do it again now. And Pikudeh is all the clothing of the Kohen and the Kohen Gadol. In Parashat Pikudeh, the Torah does this. The Jew, Moshe Rabbeinu, collected a lot of gold and a lot of silver from the people. So the Torah gives us the totals. How much total accumulative gold did Moshe Rabbeinu collect? And how much was the total of silver that he collected and uses for the Mishkan? And how much was the total? And it goes through the total of each one of the components of the Mishkan, the total that was raised. So the Midrash says, why are we doing math here? Whatever he collected, he used in the Mishkan. It's very simple. Why are we doing the math? Why are we adding it all up? So the Midrash says, is it because we don't trust Moshe? God doesn't trust Moshe? Uh-uh. Bechol beti who God says there's no one in the world I ever trusted more than Moshe Rabbeinu. But here's why we count it up. Because there were people in the generation, Jewish people, who were letzanim. They were, you know, characters. And the characters would say, well, you know, no wonder Moshe Rabbeinu is a wealthy man. He's the guy who was collecting gold and silver for the Mishkan. What do you think? Now, at that point, if someone says that, I'd say, Are you serious? I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm doing the holiest job in the world. God just spoke to me for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm building the Mishkan. You are doubting me. But that's not Moshe Rabbeinu's response. Moshe Rabbeinu's response is he communicates to the people exactly how much was collected and how much is being used. It's an open book. I am not... Moshe, the greatest man to ever live, and therefore I am above communicating with you, little character. You're nobody. What do you accomplish in your life? Nuh-uh. Moshe Rabbeinu communicates exactly what happened. To remove all doubt. Even though you would say, they obviously know, it's obvious, everyone could do the math, that Moshe Rabbeinu took the Jewish people out of Egypt, God performed ten plagues through him, he split a sea through him, he gave him the entire Torah, he spoke to him for 40 days and 40 nights, he's the undisputed greatest leader of all time, we're not really going to doubt that he pocketed some of the silver, are we? It's obvious, no one has to say it. Moshe Rabbeinu does. And I'm sure it wasn't like such a comfortable thing. You're all doubting me. Yes, I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. God trusts me. He totally trusts me. But you're all doubting me. Let me explain. You know what he did? He explained. 
Communication is essential. You want something to happen or you want somebody to know something, say it. Simple as that. Say it. Don't just guess it. Don't think it. Don't imagine it. Don't hope it. Say it. It's not so hard. You have your kid, you want your kid to go to sleep and you say, go to bed. No, no, no. You want the kid to go to sleep at 8.30, you say, go to sleep at 8.30, put your shoes away, put your clothing in the laundry, get into pajamas, brush your teeth, and go to bed. Well, doesn't he know? I, that's what I want from him every night. Say it. Don't guess it. Don't think it. Say it. Communicate it. It's not so complicated. You want someone to do something, he works for you, tell him. The number one example, I think, of people who just think things and assume that people know what they mean is women with their housekeepers. Yeah. Housekeeper, she, oh, doesn't she know that I want a fresh towel every morning in every single bathroom in my house? No, she doesn't know. They don't do that in Mexico. She doesn't know. Okay, she doesn't know. And how do you expect her to know that, yes, she comes into your house and the sink is full, the kitchen's upside down, the den is a mess, all the beds aren't made, and you want her to know laundry comes first. How is she supposed to just guess it? You want to say it? You want it, you mean it, so say it. Just say it. There's some people who fire housekeepers every two months. They're all terrible. No, they're not all terrible. You never told one of them what to do. Tell them what to do, and they'll get it. Be clear, and then say it again, and then say it again, and say it again. It's not so complicated. Just simply say it. The Jewish people were in Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim was... The word Mitzrayim means Metzah, which means confined. And then we left on Pesach. You know what Pesach stands for? One of the great, the Bredichev Rebbe used to say, Pesach means freedom is this one concept. Pesach. Pe means the mouth speaks. You have freedom, use your mouth. Speak. Say what you mean. Say what you're thinking. Don't worry about awkward and ego. Say it. I know it sounds, I'm like, come on, you're really giving me class to say, say it? Yeah, I'm really giving me class to say, say it. Because so many people, that builder could have just sent me a little email. Say, hi, Joey, this is the story. I'm coming back in two weeks. I'm so sorry. My guy's going to come visit, come to you in emergency care. Just say it. You want your husband to know something? Don't just think it and wait for him to guess. Say it. You have something you expect out of your children? Express it. You have something you want? From a boss, go over to him and tell him. Now, there's a lot of people who say, Rabbi, it's very nice, but like as you said before, I'm not so good with words. And I, sometimes it's a little awkward for me, and I don't exactly know what to say and how to say it. So that's why I want to give you this next component and level. I don't know if anyone here is going to believe this, but actually, when I was young, I was shy. Do you believe that? I really, really was shy. Like, I was shy. I was, I went in high school, maybe like two years, in like 11th or 12th grade, and I was a pretty good student, without raising my hand once in class to say anything. Now, we didn't have class all day. We only had class like an hour and a half, because I always was afraid that it was smart. It's not going to be smart enough. I would not. So I was very, very shy. I didn't even speak in my bar mitzvah. I was so shy. Really, really shy. I'd never made a speech in my life until I was like 21, 22. Like even three people around the table, Sheva Berachot, Joey, say a few words. Never. 
I got married. My in-laws never said a dvar Torah at the table, ever. Because there were six people around the table. I was too shy. This, what happened, is a good question. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what happened. I am today very unshy, okay? And I'm going to tell you, it's really one concept, that you go with this concept, you can have any conversation with anybody all the time. Have this goal in your mind. Whatever I'm going to say, I'm going to say it positive. That's it. That means I don't care if the words mumble out of my mouth at the beginning. I don't care if I don't exactly know what to say or when to say in this awkward situation. As long as it's positive. And the truth is, you see this across the Torah. The Torah makes efforts in every way. From in Parashat Noach, when it tells us the animals that went in the Teva, it tells us the pure ones. And then it doesn't say the Tamer ones. It said the ones that aren't pure. Because it wants to use cleaner language. Then Ambam, whenever he says a path that someone shouldn't take, he doesn't say it's a Ra, it's an evil path. He says it's the path that's Lotov, that's not good. When the Gemara describes a man who's blind, it doesn't say blind. It says someone who has a lot of light. The opposite of blind. The Gemara tells us that you are supposed to go to a wedding and tell the groom that his bride is beautiful no matter if she's the ugliest thing you ever saw. You always say beautiful. If you go with that commitment, here's what I have found. I don't know anybody who minds a compliment, who minds feeling good. So even if I fumble for the first two sentences, or I don't know what to say for the first ten minutes, as long as I'm going to say something positive, it's going to be okay. So I don't care how I say it, I don't care if I use the right words, so I'll go to a shiva house and I'll sit down, Now sometimes you can't talk, but other times you can talk, and I say to myself, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know the person, I don't know what I'm saying. Here's my commitment. I'm going to say nice. I'm going to say something nice, and I'm going to try to say something positive, and I'll find something, they'll tell me about him, and I'll be, wow, I'll see something that I didn't know, i say, wow, that was unreal that he did that, or I might say something about their kids that I know, just going to say something positive, and then 99% of the time it works out. So you put me in some random country, you pick me up right now and put me in Brazil, I'll say something positive, and it pretty much works. And then there's no awkward, because it's good. And I told that rabbi, I said, you call up the kid and find a way in that conversation to compliment that kid in some way. I guarantee he might say, what? no one ever walked away and said, wow, that person, they were so nice, it's so annoying. No one ever said that. <laughs> ever. Ever. No one said, oh, she's so weird, she compliments so much. It doesn't, everyone appreciates nice. I want to do a little test. Can I do a little test? Yes. Are you ready to do a little test? Yes. Like, you're going to be ready, you're going to be part of the test. Are you ready to do a test? It's going to require you to put down that needle point. Are you ready? Yes? Okay, here's what I need. I really want to do a little test. Are you ready? Do you know anybody who responds to texts very fast? Do you know people who, like, do you know some people, like, you send them a text, they send them in the next millennium back, and then there's other people who they text in a second. You know people like this? You know people. It might be, I want this person to be someone like your mother, your spouse, your child, your sister, someone in that range. Okay, do we, can we do this? I need you to take out your phone right now and text that person something nice. Not your mother sitting right next to you. Text <laughs> that person something nice, just random. Don't say, oh, by the way, I'm in my behavior class. You made me say this. Okay, don't say that. Just text 
something nice, like, oh, wow, I love what you wore today. Or, uh, you know what, your kid the other day came to my house. She was great. Or something like, you don't mind, never tell you how much I preach. Something little. You don't know, you don't even know how to say nice things. It's like that. You see, this is why we have communication problems. We're doing therapy here. We're trying to work your way through this. Can you try this? There's only one step. Just send them a text. Something nice, something has to make a little sense. Like, it's, you have to have some... If you can't do this, it means that they're not used to hearing anything nice from you. Like, it would be so weird. That's the only step. That is the only step. The next step is to wait and see their response. That's the whole next step. Husband? Okay. Okay. Now, how do you feel not nice? How do you feel just... No, no, no. It's got to be something like... I need something nice. Can you do something? You, you, you had came up with anything? You tried? You don't have your phone on you? You said something nice? Could you tell us what you sent or no? No! Okay, good. That means you sent something good. Okay. Dang. You see, this is why people can't communicate. Because, no, no, when I say something nice, I mean, I mean something like really nice. Like, you know what? Yeah, daughter, like, it's great to see you here. You look great today. I saw your daughter the other day, and she really, wow, she's growing up. She's fantastic. Do you know how to do that? That's what I mean. When I say positive, I don't mean just hick it. Can we do that? You did it? And the person's going to respond? And you're going to tell us you got a response? What? Smiley face. Okay, they didn't say one second. So we have one person who sent something nice, and the response was not like, Why'd you do that? That's so awkward. The response was a smiley face, which I think is good. You got, yes? Shh. Apparently, we have to describe a little how to do the nice. So let me try a little bit, okay? The Pasuk says about Yosef, nothing to do with this week's parasha. Yosef was put by his brothers into a ditch. And the Torah describes the ditch. Vahaborek, the ditch was empty. And Boamayim, there was no water inside. Empty with no water inside. Now, if you're paying attention, that seems to be a little redundant. If it's empty, it has no water. So the Gemara, Masechet Shabbat, and other places ask this question. If it's empty, it obviously has no water. So Gemara says, now here's what it means to say. It was empty from water. But it did have inside snakes and scorpions. So one of the great Roshay Yeshiva. Ladies. One of the great Roshay Yeshiva said, why does the Pasuk say it so roundabout? It was empty and it had no water. And I was supposed to know that it had snakes and scorpions. Just say it had snakes and scorpions inside. The answer is, the Torah doesn't want to say that. The Torah doesn't want to say it had snakes and scorpions. It's too negative. It's too strong. It's too disgusting. And so the Torah doesn't want to say it. You, everyone here, I know I have friends, that it seems that whenever they open their mouth, snakes and scorpions come out. Every time. I know that when I talk to them, I'm going to be knocked somewhere in this process. It may take a minute. It may take 10 minutes. 
But something's coming out that in some way is going to be a little competitive, a little derogatory, a little insulting. It's just a matter of when. The Torah doesn't even use the term snake and scorpions to say that when you express yourself, a snake and a scorpion should never come out of your mouth. You want to be the kind of person who knows how to communicate. You don't have to be a wordsmith. You just know how to be, know how to say it and say it nice. It's simple as that. I want to give you the way to say it nice to your children. Because sometimes you come into a house, I don't know if this ever transpired in your house, but you tell a teenage child, I want you home at 10 o'clock at night. And the teenager says, why? And you say, well, I'm the mother, that's why. <laughs> well, I don't understand, Ma. all my friends are out late, why are you being so annoying? You just called me annoying. Did I just hear that? You understand, I never call my mother annoying. Well, maybe your mother wasn't so annoying, Ma. You are being very annoying. My friends, my it's not fair. So, well, you live in this house. You have to listen to me and you have to be home at 10 o'clock. Well, I don't even know why I have to live in this house. This house is so icky to live in. I can't stand it. Nobody heard anybody. Nobody even heard a word in that conversation. I want to give you the way to say it. And say it nice. Because I said so worked in the 50s. <laughs> so I want to tell you very simple. There are two words in the Torah for speaking. One word is, and I like this chidush, I've said it a million times, to kids and to parents. One word for speaking is vayedaber, which means to speak harshly. The other word is vayomer. Vayomer means to speak softly. Last week's parasha, we read about the story of the Egel. After the sin of the Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Har Sinai. Unquestionably, the worst moment in his life, the worst moment in his leadership career, the most, maybe the most challenging moment in the history of the Jewish nation. He comes down from that mountain with the Luchot in his hands and he shatters them. And then he has to speak to the nation. And the word he uses is, Vayomer, speak softly. What? The answer is, that's intelligent leadership. When it's getting loud, you get low. You want to be heard in your house? Doesn't mean be timid. It doesn't mean be weak, but be soft. I said, I want you home at 10 o'clock. It's not a debate. It's not a conversation. It's not a discussion. You know how much I love you. I'm doing this because I care about you, whether you see it or not. It's not a conversation. You're coming home at 10 o'clock. And if you come home later than 10, tomorrow night you're not going out. You didn't yell. You were just clear and soft. Vayomer is the way to speak. Say it and say it nice. And now I want to give you the communication between a husband and a wife. There's a pasuk in Mishle. The pasuk says, Mavet vechayim biyad halashon. Life and death are in the hands of the tongue. This pasuk is actually pretty famous. The ending of the pasuk is not as famous. Ve'ohaveha yochal priya. And those that love to use the tongue well will eat its fruits. 
which means if you speak well and you speak nicely, there are fruits that are there and available to you when you speak nicely. When you communicate well with people and you speak, say it, and say it nice, you can get yourself a raise. You can raise healthier children. But I think this pasuk is saying something much more than that. But again, the message of the pasuk in itself is critical. The tongue has so much power. Literally, life and death are in the hands of the tongue. Your person's future, a person's wellness is all in how they express themselves. But then the pasuk, the next pasuk, which most who would read this pasuk in Mishleh would say, this next pasuk is totally unconnected. But here's what the next pasuk says. Matzaisha matzatov. If you found a wife, you found goodness. Now I'm reading this pasuk and I say, you know, you found a wife, you found goodness. It's not like most men eventually end up getting married. Maybe some do younger, some do older, but most men end up getting married. So what's this earth-shattering wow statement that you just said you found a wife you found good and every wife isn't good I don't know if every wife is good what does that mean I think these two pesukim are connected and what the Torah is telling you is this is that life and death is in the hands of the tongue someone who knows how to use it benefits from its fruits and find your wife every day Matsaisha. When you find your wife, you find good. Don't find your wife once and then stay married for 80 years. Find her every day. Every day, use your tongue to reconnect. Every day, use the Lashon to say it and say it nice again. Again. And again. And again. And again. And some of you are saying, Rabbi, say this to men. But I understand. I'm still telling you, and again. And again. Reconnect every day. You want to have a healthy marriage, you don't need a gift every day. You don't need money every day. You don't need a vacation every day. You need to communicate well every day. Every day, re-communicate. And again, life and death in a home, is in the hand of the communication. And if you speak the right way, you will reap the benefits because a nice marriage and a beautiful marriage is so enjoyable and wonderful. You find your wife, find her again, and find her again, and find her again. And every time you find your wife again, you find goodness. And find your husband again, and find him again, and find him again. And no crazy things have to happen. It doesn't have to be the greatest dinner tonight of all time. But it has to be a nice communication again, and again, and again, and again. And my greatest proof to this, to this little thought, that you need to find it again and again and again. As you know, the angels came to Abraham Avinu's home. This is in the parasha weeks ago. And told him he's going to have a child. Sarah, his wife, left. She left. She said, how can we have a child? My husband is old. God came to Abraham and said, why is Sarah laughing? Saying that she's old. So Rashi and the Gemara asked the question, no, no, that's not what she said. She didn't say she's old. She said he's old. So Hashem, say it the right way. Say that Sarah said, my husband is old. That's not what Hashem does. Hashem says she's old. You know why God changed the words? For peace and harmony in the home. And so God wanted to be harmony in the home, took the words that she said, what she said, her husband is old, 
and twisted a little and said, she really said that she herself is old. I want you to understand this observation. Abraham Avinu at this time is 99 years old. Sarah is 89 years old. They are married for decades and decades and decades and decades. You're still worried about the marriage? Really? Now? 89, 99, Sarah and Abraham, they've been through all the wars and a hundred different tests. The answer is, you have to find your marriage every day. Matzaisha, matzato. Find it and find it and find it again. When you're 99 years old, inshallah you live there and pass there, find it again. And with this, after everything we've just said, I think I finally understand something. It always, I always wondered. I told you communication is essential. If communication is the way most of us think, it's just a simple little skill. So I don't understand. God, you didn't make the whole world dependent on playing the violin. You didn't make the whole world dependent on being a good basketball player. You didn't make everything in my life dependent on knowing how to play the piano. You didn't make my whole life dependent on knowing how to have good penmanship. Why'd you make so many things in life depend on communication? If it's just a little skill, why does so much depend on it? And I think we finally have the answer. Because if you know how to communicate, everything and every midah within you changes. Because if you communicate well with your children, you develop the ability to be humble. If you communicate well with your parents, you develop the ability to respect. If you communicate well with your employee, you develop the ability to care about others. If you communicate well with a boss, you develop the ability to have courage. If you communicate well with your spouse, you develop the love and the connection. And if you communicate well with a friend, you develop selflessness. So much of you is developed and grown through communication. Communication is not just something to say. Communication is a life-changing experience. Because if you know how to say it and say it nice, you're developing so much within you because saying it nice over here means being humble. And saying it nice over here means sacrifice. And saying it nice over here means admitting wrong. Saying it nice over here means calming down from my anger. It means so many different things. I'm not going to conclude today with a story. Instead, I'm going to conclude with a statement that the rabbis say about Aharon HaKohen. When Aharon HaKohen passed away, the rabbis say there were 80,000 people named Aharon that followed him to bury him. What does that mean? Where did 80,000 people all named Aharon come from? And the rabbis explained this little midrash, this beautiful way. That Aharon was a man who had the power of speech. When Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't speak, God told him, get your brother Aharon and he'll speak for you. Aharon used that power of speech, as well known, to make peace within families. He helped so many husbands and wives find each other again. That was his strength and that was his skill. And when a husband and wife who were married for a while and had a rough marriage and now finally they have peace and harmony and love again, sometimes a children, a child would be born after that 
and they would name their child naturally after the man who brought them back together, Aharon. And so there were so many Jewish children named Aharon because he produced these children. It was his communication and his skill and his training them how to speak and speak softly and find each other again and communicate again and connect again that produced the letter Peh is how much? Peh is 80. And that's how we got 80,000 kids were produced from his Peh, from his mouth, from his communication. And it changed the Jewish nation. Communication is not a small skill. It's not something like, oh, what do you want? I don't communicate so well. Again, you may never be a wordsmith. You may not be the Webster's Dictionary. And it really doesn't matter to have the power that Aharon had, to have the power that Moshe was able to do when he was on top of the nation, to have the power that God did with Abraham and Sarah, to have this beautiful skill, all you need to do is say it and say it nice. Thank you.